Welcome to another episode of Peers Over Beers, your favorite digital and social evangelist podcast with your industry veteran hosts, Chris Tetzel. This podcast starts now. So welcome to another Peers Over Beers. I'm Chris Detzel and... I'm Jenny Weigel. Hi again. <laughs> it's nice to have you on again. Thank you. Good to be here. I appreciate. I really like your background. Oh my gosh! I did this for you, Chris. I did this for you. Yeah, I've uh, I've been watching the show and seeing that you've had some fun backgrounds going on here. So I thought yeah. I'd jump into Canva, make one real quick. Uh, once again, I apologize that I am not fully playing along with the beer concept. I am drinking my coffee with you today. So, well, thank you. I've already had a bunch of coffee. Um, you're two hours. Um, uh, I'm two hours ahead of you. So yeah. Um, so you, you had this topic wise, you had, uh, something that you wanted to bring up from, I guess, was it CMX? Was that wrong? Or yeah. From the latest CMX industry report. Um, I thought this would make for a fun and interesting topic. So for any of you who have already downloaded the report, the topic I'm referencing can be found on page 23 and it is wants to follow along. Yeah. Uh, it's the most common frustrations for community professionals. And there's a number of things listed here that I want to go back and forth and talk with you on, Chris. But I feel like little disclaimer ahead of time, we should say that there could be a separate show for each one of these. Yeah, so we're yeah. just going to talk very high level through through some of them. And I don't have last year's uh, report up in front of me to compare. Uh, maybe I'll, I can try to find that and pull that up while we're talking. But I don't. It's just a, I think it's interesting enough to kind of go through these and and talk about this. And Chris, I'd love to hear from you too about how, where these rank uh, as a frustration for you, because you are in there, you are a director of community and and running a community every day. Yeah. I am just consulting clients on their community. So I'm curious to hear how much of this you're experiencing and I'll be happy to share what I'm hearing from my clients. Yeah, I think that's good. And, and I just got your download. What page did you say it was? 23. 23. So the number one thing on here was engagement. So how do you engage your users? And, um, and I'm still looking, but so I, I would agree. I think, you know, engaging your users is probably the hardest thing to do, um, you know, in any community, but, you know, I, I think that one is, is, is that you have to think about a strategy around engagement. You, you know, a lot of people and a lot of community managers that I've heard just go to the tactics and straight off to the tactics, you know, and start, well, you know, we can have an ask me anything. We can have, you know, webinar, we can have, you know, all these things that are good, good tactics to drive. But if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish, then how are you going to get there? Um, and then, you know, so I would say, you know, come up with a, a strategy. So what are you trying to accomplish? So it could be a thousand different things, but one of them could be, look, we're looking at deflecting cases. You know, this is a typical support community. So, okay, if you're looking at deflecting cases, you need to write content on those kinds of things, right? You need to find smart people that can help you answer some of those questions or even, um, you know, some of your customers that can post some of those questions. So, you know, you got to start building, you know, kind of a repository of, of good content that's engaging to your audience, right? And then, mm -hmm. then you can start building that strategy around you know, or build that strategy and then you could build the roadmap and tactics to drive that strategy. That's it. That's what you have to do. And if it doesn't work, then you go back to the drawing board and 
redo it, right? So, I mean, it's a hard thing. I'm not saying it is, you know, uh, hey, sending emails to when people first log into your community, that's a tactic. You know, having a webinar program, that's a tactic. Having, you know, those are tactics to drive different things. They're important. Some of them are more important than others, but they're not. What, what do you think? I mean, that, that was the number one thing on the list. So I, I hear it all the time and think that we could talk about all those things, you know, or that thing for like two, two episodes. I think what I'm hearing from you is just that if you don't have a strategy and you are kind of looking at your engagement through individual tactics, it's going to be harder to prove that you're getting success. It's going to be harder to have a consistent engagement experience. And sorry about just so people listening can uh, further understand the context of this question, especially where Chris and I are at with it right now. The, uh, so yeah, I'm going to back up just a bit, Chris, um, although you made excellent points. Uh, the question itself in the report is, what are your top frustrations about managing your community and its activities? And number of respondents was 732. That might I, I think the total number of respondents was 700 something something. Uh, so I feel like we're, you know, we definitely got a nice size of the respondents uh, answering this question. And little note here that I appreciate CMX including that the respondents could choose up to three items. And the, the number one, the first item that we are talking about here is difficult to consistently engage members. And that was at 46%. So I, I agree with everything you just said, Chris, and I want to pose a question to you. Mm-hmm. Do you think, um, I mean, do you, do we see this number changing ever? Because do we ever see it, you know, getting very, um, low, that it's not going to be that difficult to consistently engage members. I kind of just feel like that is going to be, that is going to be an ongoing challenge of running online communities. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts? We, will we ever see the number change? I think that the way people want to engage are different than each other, right? So the way I want to engage into a community is going to be different the way you engage. So for example, Maybe you like to go post questions on a community, or maybe you like to go answer questions on a community. Uh, but I like to speak. I like to watch a video or online. You know what I mean? Like so, and I don't really go to communities to look at a bunch of. I'm not saying I don't, which I don't, but I, I look at communities more so uh, in a different way. But so you've got to one know that not everybody's going to engage in the same way. Um, and you've got to build programs, you know, tactical programs to engage your users in the way they want to be uh, engaged. So they're all different. So, you know, that number probably isn't going to change. And the reason, I mean, it sort of can change and, and, if, and, and depends how you define engagement. Um, you know, yes. again, to me is, you know, just because somebody logs into your community, they post, they do, all, okay, that's engaging. Um, but Maybe, maybe somebody from another organization comes to your webinars, but they're not really on the community doing anything. Well, that's engaging. That's an engagement tactic, or at least a, you know, one thing that they do to be engaged. You know what I mean? Like, and, and there's probably some value there, you know, but I've, I've seen lots of people on my webinars that never come into the community. The only reason they log into the community is to get to the webinar, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So you've, you've got to, You've just got to think about, you know, what are the things you're trying that you're driving to engage them? And if all you have is a Q&A, there's only a few people that will engage that way. And if you have rewards and recognition, some people like that. Some people like badges. Some people don't give a shit about badges. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's just the way it is. And, and so, you know, the answer is it's probably not going to change, especially if you're only 
looking at one aspect of the community um, to and, and engaging, but it can change depending on your and how you're engaging the programs that you build. So, well, I've done a little sleuthing here, Chris, and I mm. did find this same question posed from last year's the 2020 oh, or, okay, yeah, yeah from last year's report. <laughs> um, interesting that the top frustration, the number one from last year's report was that it's hard to quantify the value of the community. That was at 45%. That was the number one. Number two, it's difficult to consistently engage members. And that was at 43%. Uh, so yeah, we saw a little higher percentage this time, but I, I just feel like that's going to happen. It's going to be, it's always going to be difficult. And the day someone says to me, I've never had difficulty in that. I'm, I'm going to just say, I'm going to call them out. Say, I don't believe you. You're, you're not practicing community management correctly. Uh, this is going to be something I think we, we will always work towards and try to improve and better uh, in our, in our field to how to consistently engage our members. I think that uh, it's a good point. I don't see it as frustration necessarily. I see it more as um, one, how am I engaging my members and what, what are other things I can do if I have the staff or if, if it's just me and, you know, I can only do certain things. Um, and then I also know there's only a certain number of people that will even engage in the community anyways. So not everybody is going to, you know, if you have a thousand customers, not all thousand customers or people at those companies are going to engage um, into that community, even if they're, even if that's their field, they just don't do it, you know? And so a low number of people, on your community will engage. What is that number? Seven to ten percent, and then even a lower number of one to two, or maybe three percent of those ten percent is going to be like your super users. So let's put it in perspective, and let's create the programs for those people that are going to engage. Period, and and not worry about trying to get everybody engaged. You know, just be yeah. smart. That's all. I also I think say. this there's something to setting expectations around this. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you got to communicate that. Yeah. Yes. And if you're expecting to get 100% of engagement, then yes, you're going to have a lot of difficulty yeah. getting consistent engagement in your community. And guess what? Probably won't happen. Yeah, but, if you're um, looking at 20 or 30%, that's not going to happen most likely, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, Real quick, looking at back at the graph from this year's report, at the very, very bottom of it, there is an option, Chris. There was an option to select I don't have any frustrations about our community <laughs> oh, and 3% of people selected that. Okay. 3% that you, th- I'm yeah. talking to you, please contact Chris and I, because we yeah. would love to talk to you and find out why, why you don't have any frustrations. How is everything going so wonderful for you? I would like to hear. Exactly. Your community is perfect. So, <gasps> Oh, that's, I just found that entertaining. Um, and kudos to the 3%, but I'm not <laughs> kidding. Please call, re- reach out to us. <laughs> please. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then number two is, and I hear this a lot too, is uh, hard to quantify the value of community. Yes. And that falls at uh, 38% of respondents selected that. That was the second choice to this question this year. Interesting how last year, that was the number one answer. Uh, and let me when see. When it went down significantly. It was you know? 45% last year. Uh, yeah. So hopefully that means that people are maybe learning a little bit more about how to quantify the value of community. Um, and yet there are some more stats later on in this report that uh, I think there was one that said 10% of people, only 10% of respondents really know how to prove the ROI of their community. So uh, yeah, and it, there's the, the report gets into a little bit more on this and we're not going to have time to dive fully into this. But again, uh, this will constantly be 
something that community professionals need to work toward, I think, whether yeah. you are brand new to the field or you've been in it for 10 years. I agree. It's, 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 it's a tough one uh, to quantify the value. I think what you have to do is one, you, you probably need uh, a sponsor at the high, high end. Like my CEO is a, a huge fan of it, but he does want me to show uh, ROI and, you know, that ROI can come in a lot of different ways. And getting to that ROI will be the challenge. It could take you two or three years really to kind of maybe longer to build that up, right? Because you need business systems connected. You know, when we think of B2B, let's just be specific, B2B companies that, you know, um, that, you know, you need to be connected to systems. You need to probably have a data science scientist to kind of look at, hey, you know, when a, when a customer um, is, one example, when a customer is engaged and involved in the community in some ways, you know, they, they renew at higher rates, they buy more, they do those things. That stuff's hard to prove and it's hard to get to. Um, now, some things that you are starting to see um, from an ROI sp- standpoint is like case deflection. Now, I know Nicole Saunders calls it something else, but I forget what she said, but um, case, I think I wrote that down. Oh, she said, Ticket interruption is what she calls it. I like it. But, I like it. Yes. <laughs> so, ticket. That is an excellent phrase and right on. <laughs> yeah. Ticket interruption. So basically, um, but not to go into why she thought that you can listen to another Peers Over Beers for that, uh, the previous one. But so basically uh, what she was saying is, or what you can do is you're starting to see more people being able to look at case deflection. So for example, case deflection is a, a customer or somebody that has a problem with their uh there's a piece of software and they create a case so that the support team can help them. Um, well, the support team, uh, when you look at the high level metrics, they have a, a dollar attached to that case. So from beginning to end, how much does that dollar, how much is that case worth? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, over time community, when you start looking at community and, and attaching that to case deflection, you can start looking at, you know, one, what does support think? Uh, from beginning to end, does that cost? And then you start looking at, you know, it could be page views or some, probably not page views, probably not the best one, but some other metrics that look at how many times are people looking at that, those discussion questions that you're posting, you know, did they create a case and stuff like that? So some of that, you know, you need a, you need some people to help you get to that point, but you're seeing it all over the place. I mean, you're seeing a lot of these companies doing it, you know, like BMC software has been doing it for years when you talk to Matthew and, some other people. So it just, you, you can get there. Um, it's just harder to kind of really look at that full-fledged, you know, ROI, you know, say, well, mm-hmm. you know, we spend X on the community. We have these many community managers and then, you know, uh, community and we, the platform cost X and the community is giving this X number of dollars. You know, that's, that's kind of a hard thing to do, but when you start seeing your members, um, post things when you start looking at um, uh, stories that they're coming in. Like, you know, one of the stories, for example, is in July, we had a webinar on community and uh, a, a, a prospect came in, listened to the webinar. It was an in-depth webinar. And then in February or March or earlier this month, the, the prospect sends me a, a LinkedIn message directly and said, hey, I, I came to your um, uh, webinar back in a year ago and you know, now we're ready to look at MDM. So I sent over to sales and everything else. You don't think I promoted that heavily? Of course I did. So it's promoting those stories and looking at those stories to show, you know, that you are bringing some kind of value. 
um, you know, any story that you have. So, I mean, even if, even if it's tiny, you need to bring that in and that will start buzzing it up. People start believing it and, and, and they start seeing it, you know, these things take time and, you know, but bring in the stories, the first couple of, always bring in stories because communities have really great stories that you can bring in. So I said a lot. So what do you think? Uh, I think you're right on, on all of it. And I loved when you were talking about case deflection and support, in my experience, it does seem to be the easiest uh, way to prove if that yeah. is, you know, how you're using, utilizing your community, if that is the purpose of your community, that seems to kind of be the go-to. Uh, and also because there's already a lot of, uh, you know, calculators and, and formulas yeah. out there for that purpose. If you are using community for other reasons, for product, customer success, marketing, uh, there, I haven't seen as many, you know, formulas or easy way to easy ways to quantify ROI. So I can understand why people mark this as, as a frustration. But again, I, I wonder how much easier will this be? I also wonder the people answering this, like how many of them were new to community versus senior in community, because those of us who have been in this a while have started to hopefully find our niche on how to measure these things and present them to our sponsor business sponsors and executives. And if you're newer then this, yes, can all be very overwhelming. And I can see how it's going to frustrate you a lot more. I agree. Like, I'll give you another example, because I think examples are the key at the end of the day is, you know, last year, our community launched in April 28. And in June, I think, you know, we had four or 500 members, it wasn't all that much. But um, one of the problems we were trying to solve marketing, I said, Chris, you know, what can we do? Because we don't have any Gartner reviews. And that's a marketing activity. We don't have any, no Gartner reviews at all. And I was like, well, I mean, I can reach out to the community and send a direct email to them all, Smart. you know, and, and see if anybody were to reward or, you know, rate us, you know, and, and then I created a contest. So I said, what I can do is do we have budget? Yeah, we can get you budget. So, you know, maybe it was a 10 or $15 gift card to Starbucks. And I sent an email and I said, Hey, customer or Hey, build, you know, you're on the community. Really appreciate you being on there and, and engaging with us. You know, we're looking for reviews on our Gartner, on Gartner. You know, here's a link. We'll give you ten bucks, fifteen bucks, uh, and then, um, and and then, uh, then just send a picture to show that you rated us. You don't have to show the rate rating, but just say you know, because at the end of it, it says thank you for your rating. Okay. Uh, and so they did, and I got over. And I know this doesn't sound like a lot, but it, for us, it was. It gave gave us twenty plus reviews on Gartner reviews, and when ours went up. And you don't, you know how heavily I promoted that because that, you don't think that's value that the community bring. I have access to all of our customers, um, everybody that's on there, thousands of people. And I can just send a quick email to all of them if I wanted or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. To ask them to rate, rate and review us. And you know what happened? Yesterday, I got an, uh, a message from our C2 and founders, Chris, we need some G2 reviews and, and Gartner reviews. Can you do this again? Now, I don't think I should own it. But am I going to help him out? Yeah. And the reason is because I know community can bring it, but I got to figure out a way to make sure community gets credit for that too. You have to give credit for what credit's due, period. I have this relationship. I don't care how bad people think you sound or whatever, get credit for it. You don't say, oh, I get the credit. No, you say, hey, community brought in these things. And then every time you get to be in front of this, the organization, the C staff, whatever, start saying those things, tell those stories. That is 
an impressive response rate, Chris, and great story. Yeah. And I can, what tremendous value mm -hmm. that that has brought. Awesome. And now do you feel like you need to change your approach getting this ask again for this? Uh, do you feel like you need to, um, yeah, I, I, because the answer you're, is you're yes. reaching out to ask again. Yeah. How, how are you going to change your approach? Well, <laughs> I don't know yet, but uh, what I have done is, and I think this is important is I don't own that, you know, somebody else in marketing sure. owns yeah. that. And so they need to put a strategy around it. And then, you know, because what's going to happen is if I continue to do it, then there's a, hey, let Chris do it once a year or whatever. Mm. No, this should be, there just should be a strategy around it. There should be tactics to drive that strategy to say, you know, instead of begging people once a year at the, you know, at the end of the deadline, whenever that is June, July, why are we, you know, so, you know, it's working with that person to say, Hey, you know, how can we do this together? Um, you know, uh, and, and, and then going from there, I think that is the better approach. And, and to say, you know, because I don't want to become the owner of that at the moment, I don't want to become the owner of it because I don't, I don't have any people, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's, I don't need to drive something else in addition to what I'm driving today. So you have to just not to say I won't do it. I will do it uh, because the CTO and founder asked me to, but, you know, um, let's see if I can also get some other people to do some other stuff that actually owns it. You know what I mean? Yes. And I hope that everyone listening or watching this takes what you just said to heart, because what you just described is an example of setting your boundaries, Chris, because if we are very frustrated as community professionals, and that's kind of the yeah. topic we're covering today, then you need to know where to draw the line on what you're being asked to do. So everyone take that to heart. Chris, just describe, you know, what, it, you know, what he needs to do for himself to, uh, you know, just focus on what's important for community and where someone else needs to kind of step in and own something that yes, it involves the community, but we don't have to do it all, mm -hmm. you know? So that was a beautiful example of that. I love hearing stories of that. And I'm so glad that you, you know, those moments, Chris, and when to kind of say, I can do this, but here's how, <laughs> you know, just to set those parameters. Well, you know, can we get budget and mm -hmm. who's going to send the email? What does the email look like? What is, you know, what is your role besides my role? Because I have a whole slew of contacts. I can send this out to and probably get you 10 or 15 reviews for each place, right? For G2 and Gartner. But, you know, let's let's put some ownership somewhere else too. You know, that's, yeah. that's all. Yes. You know? Awesome. Um, great example. Thanks for sharing that. Should we move on to the next frustration? Yeah. All right. The third one on the topping the list is that efforts are largely largely manual and not automated, coming in at thirty four percent. Oh, I hear this all the time, and i i feel I feel that frustration as well. <laughs> um, this actually, from the last year's report, came in at the as the third option again, are at 37%. So we're seeing consistency in kind of the top frustrations from year over year. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot to say about that too. So, or at least some thoughts around it is one is again, in your strategy and your community strategy, not engagement piece, but you think of your community strategy, it needs to kind of be on your roadmap. You got to think about what do you want to automate and how do you want to automate it? So, you know, when I think of, um, I guess it just depends. So when I think of like SSO, for example, and, and maybe that doesn't go into the automation piece or whatever, but, and, and just kind of this complete uh, great customer experience for our users, 
nobody wants to go in and log into 20 systems. Nobody wants to go in and search these different, go to docs and search, go to community and search, go to academy and search, and go to, you know, uh, the support portal and search and all these different places. So how do you bind some of these systems together? Um, and, 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 and those kinds of things. And when you're talking about automation, so that's the first thing that came to my mind and maybe that's not really good automation, but the other piece of my, on your, depends on your platform. So, you know, like higher logic platform does a very good job of automating kind of this customer experience winning, meaning they have these things called automation rules. And so when a customer logs in, you can send an email directly to them and say, thanks for logging in. Here are a bunch of things you can go do. And then you can send them another email if they haven't logged in, logged in in the last few days or posted, or you can just set up automation rules all over the place, automating that whole journey, the whole customer experience and everything else. So that's one piece. So it's probably depending on your platform. And, and then the other piece is, you know, if, if you have a platform that, you know, is like intelligent platform or, you know, one of those platforms that, you know, has basic functionality, then you have to build it. You got to get it. You got to have a plan to build it. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to your plan and what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to do. Not sure exactly what automation means, but I do think automating everything is at the key at the end of the day. When I look at reports, I'm having to sit there and build my own reports, you know, because I've got some stuff from Higher Logic, I got some stuff from uh, Google Analytics, I got some stuff from Salesforce. <laughs> so yes, how do we put that into a Tableau or something like that to just give me really cool reports? Well, you know, one is you need a resource, go find the resource because, you know, nobody's going to give it to you. Um, and, um, and then start slowly but surely know what you want to do and, and go get there. And to me, the reporting piece is probably the hardest piece to put it all together and showing business outcomes and everything else. Um, mm. Cause it's all manual. Like I keep coming up with new stuff I can do, but it's all manual. Like, God damn, <laughs> you know? So. Yes. I still dream the day we get a platform that has all the bells and whistles and functionality that we want and want. It's got LMS in it. It's, you know, anal it's got every analytic that I would ever want. And it presents itself to me very easily. So I, I know exactly. it's a big dream until have then. A dashboard already. Uh, why not, why not, why not have, why not have like a, uh, a, a, a Microsoft BI or, or Tableau kind of thing built inside so that you can just bring in different data sources, whether it's Google Analytics or Salesforce data, I don't know, whatever, uh, Gainsight data, who knows, all that stuff that just goes into your community and gives you this nice little dashboard that you can build. And you're going to have to do some stuff yourself, but you know, just that's, that's where these um, platforms can help. And they just, I've had this conversation before. Platforms are just not innovating. None, none of them, zero. I don't know any of them that are, you know, and, and it's all the same shit, you know, basically. You know, and I'm, I'm just like, well, what does innovation look like when I tell them they're like, yeah, that's going to take a long time. And to yeah. me, innovation looks a lot like these really neat systems like orbit.ai and how that connects and facilitates, mm -hmm. you know, these one-on-one -on -one connections. And, you know, so uh, is it a community platform itself? No. Does it help when the, uh, towards your engagement strategy on your community platform? Absolutely. So I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a company like that got picked up one day or something, you know, um, well, like a plug and play, right? Like mm -hmm. 
why why doesn't these community platforms easily just plug and play into these other things you know like like a snowflake or those kinds of things it just plugs and plays in people's you know uh back-end systems you know so these community platform companies need to not just have really robust apis but easily connecting apis that allows like a dummy like me to do it you know well, until that time, I think yeah. we're just going to have to deal with this as a frustration. And I think we're going to continue to see it in this yeah. list of the top frustrations. Will it always stay in the top three? Who's to know? Find out next year. Uh, <laughs> Good all right. Shall we go to the next one or should we kind of like keep this focused on the top three? How do you, how do you want uh, to yeah, let's go, let's go to the next one. Why not? All right. So the fourth uh, item in the list was not enough staff at 27%. <laughs> and also looking back at last year's report, this was also the fourth item, 28%. So this one continues to be a top frustration. Didn't We didn't really see much of a change from percentage, not enough staff. Uh, and you've even alluded to this and how, how you do it all, Chris. So this, it sounds like this is still a frustration for you too. Yeah, I think here's the thing is, and Nicole has said this before, and I think, Elizabeth Kinsey said it in the past is, you know, you have to build it and, and, and show the value of it first before you get staff, right? Like nobody's going to, nobody's just going to give you a bunch of staff. They're just not. And then you've got to say, well, if you give me this, then I can even go do this kind of stuff. So that's, that's the reality of what you're going to have to deal with. Um, and you're always going to have any community team you're going to have to deal with even if you have a, a team of four or five, even though you think, oh, it's amazing. No, I mean, you still have that. I mean, if somebody's over all things engagement, well, they're, they're doing a lot of different things. They could be doing, you know, not just webinars, but they can do event type stuff. They can do, you know, all, all the tactics around, you know, engaging online community users and, and things like that. When you have a content strategist, you know, they can be focused in on all this content that maybe they're working with marketing. Maybe they're working with the, the customer, uh, team customer success or whatever to to get you know support team and, and things like that so you're all the the value of community is many to one you know one to many kind of thing right so mm -hmm. you think of like i literally have thousands or a thousand people in my community that i manage a thousand the csm has 20 or 30 um people that they manage right like Good you know look at that, yeah. so i think that it's always going to be a little bit to many <laughs> kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that that's that's how, you know, I'm not saying you don't need staff. I think you need to show the value of community, have your, your plan. And then as you kind of continue to get buy-in and excitement and things like that, those things that you alluded to earlier to say, well, I'm not going to do this because I don't have the bandwidth is the important piece because, you know, things that we're really good at are building these programs. And then how do you, how do you, sustain those programs at the end of the day you can't it's not scalable for you to do it you know at the end of the day you know if, if i'm doing one webinar a week you know and i'm creating two or three blogs uh, or four blogs a month on every single webinar you know and it, that's not sustainable by me in addition to all the other shit that i got to do right you know and so show the value first and then then have your ask they say no then you say no to additional things that come up. I mean, I'm not, you don't always say no, but you just have to know that you can't take on additional projects. You know, I mean, you just push that and then you got to really understand one is, you know, is your organization really that committed to the community? 
you know, and what that really means. That's what you got to think yeah. about is maybe they are. I hear a lot of people say they're committed, but action speaks a lot louder than your words. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yes. That was one of my favorite episodes where you were talking to Nicole about that and to hear her approach to adding staff to her team. I mean, yeah. that and, and her, her insight and experience in that is incredibly valuable. So if you'll get the chance, if you're listening, go check out that episode. I know you've done a few episodes with Nicole. Do you know what that yeah. one was called? What was the name of that one? No. It was either the first or second. I don't know. Oh, yeah, so many good episodes with Nicole. Um, yeah. If you want a, a mini masterclass in, in, you know, the best way to prove value to get staff, go and listen to the episodes with Nicole Saunders. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, she just comes with a lot of expertise in how she's hired. I mean, and, you know, so does uh, Elizabeth Kenzie. I, I think mm, both those yes. Really, you know, they're scaling their communities because, you know, like Slack and Zendesk. I mean, there's so many people using their products. I mean, there's their communities are just going to get out of hand. You know what I mean? Like, it's just going to be crazy. Um, but the opportunity is big for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, how they've scaled it with staff and everything else. And, you know, what does their staff look like? What do they do and everything else? You know, they get some operational community managers. You got some, you know, uh, things like that. So any ideas, they, they certainly already have, they're already doing it, you know? So. Yeah. Well, Chris, looking at the rest of this list, things really kind of start to taper off there. And I would say if we were to segment this list, these four, they, they, they top it, they clearly represent the largest percentage of responses. So we could go on and on and on, but I feel like we've covered some pretty important frustrations and hopefully enlightened people a little bit about how they can handle these things. If it is a frustration for them. Um, and so I, I'd love to ask you something outside of the world of community. If you Let's don't do mind. Okay, no. yeah. okay. What's top of mind for you outside of community life right now? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting, interesting question. And one I wasn't, but I think that to me, I, I like, um, so when I think of personal stuff, right, like, you know, my wife and I are big runners, you know, um, I'm going to have my son here in the, uh, summertime all you know the whole entire month of july you know and so uh those things are always on my mind so you know one is um what what kind of fun things are we going to do we're always going somewhere so in august we're going on this my wife and i are going on this really big trip to um colorado and running 120 miles up these mountains in six days and 20,000 feet of gain and so we'll have an amazing trip there um you know i was thinking about going to france in june i haven't solidified that but i have a good friend of mine that you know uh lives out there and wants to go hiking and uh um camping in in the, the mountains um out there and then you know so it's just staying active right like i, I just personally that those are the things that are on my mind, you know, like my, my son's going to go to camp in July and he's going to have a ton of fun for a couple of weeks. And he's going to, you know, so I always love to hear his stories when he comes back about what he's done and, you know, cause he go fishing and goes camping. He goes horseback riding, they go in a boat and do a bunch of crap, you know, like it just, so that kind of stuff is fun to listen to me. And then, you know, and then the last thing is, is from a career standpoint, you know, I'm always thinking about, you know, moving my career, up to another level. Like, you know, I got a promotion this last year, uh, which was good, but, you know, um, online community is all obviously a thing I can do, but, you know, how do I think about community in a bigger, 
grand scheme of things, you know, and, and really kind of, you know, affecting that, um, you know, and, and I don't know. So I don't know. Does that answer the question? Yeah, it does. And I'll tell you, the question was inspired by like one of my favorite podcasts is uh, called Pantsuit Politics and it's about, it's political, but at the end, the two hosts always say, you know, what's on your mind outside of politics? And I love that because it gives me a little glimpse into who they are. And so this is, you know, just something I wanted to spring on yet because you know, I love asking you questions. I I love random questions for you. Um, Crazy. What's on mine? What's on your mind? Because usually I'm the one asking questions. (laughs) I love this. Uh, so I am preparing for a birthday next week and I have some rituals I do around my mm-hmm. birthday to oh, birthday. really, uh, it'll be Tuesday, April wow. 5th, if anyone's listening. Happy birthday. Um, thank you. Early thank birthday. you. Yeah. And so I'm um, just getting myself ready for some rituals. And some of those rituals are, I dedicate some alone time on my, I block it off on my calendar and I take some time, um, usually on two separate days because I take the first day to reflect on the last year and did I, what have I accomplished? What have I achieved? What was, uh, you know, surprising and unexpected? How did I handle uncertainty? Like I, there's a lot of things like on a, on a professional and personal level that I like to reflect on in the last year. Uh, and then I like oh. to write out some things that I hope to accomplish in this next year, this next age. Uh, but I don't finalize that list. I like to like sleep on it for a bit and then yep. come back to that list and, and, and finally. So it's, you know, some personal reflecting period that I give myself and it's always really refreshing and eye-opening. And I learned a lot about what the last year meant to me and was like for me and where I want to grow in my next year. So that's kind of what I'm getting together and, and taking that time to do that. I love that. My wife's birthday is April 4th. So we're going to go to a nice <gasps> dinner. Yes. Yeah. She's going to go to a really nice dinner and uh, I've already got her presents and all that stuff. So, I mean, Good she's man. big, Good she's man. a big, big uh, advocate of birthdays, Christmas and um, anniversaries. So, you know, we don't have to do, um, you know, uh, Valentine's day or anything like that, you know, but all the rest, you got to go big. So I think I would get along with her. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, and, and I've just learned to like, I used to not be that big in it, but why not? I mean, it's what she really loves. And, and I think, you know, you celebrate it big and, you know, when she turns 50 in a, a couple of years, yep. It's going to go big, really big. I don't know what it's going to be, but oh my God. So. All right. right. Yeah. Start planning. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, Jenny, this is really great. And uh, I, I love the enthusiasm and the just the questions that you bring to the show. Uh, We'll have to do it again, but uh, this concludes another Peers Over Beers. I'm Chris Detzel. I'm Jenny Weigel. Thanks for having me again. Thanks, Jenny.